Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the Deep Cover Podcast. It is Carrie Stevenson, Chris Aguilera, Mike Crawford. Yeah, you can hear the excitement in my voice because I'm excited to see my guys. I'm excited to see my brothers. I'm not down about injuries or overtime losses or any of that stuff, man. I'm just, whenever I see these two guys, man, I get excited. We get to chop it up. We get to talk about football, get to talk about life. Uh, so that's always a good thing in my book. Uh, so let's just check in with both of you guys before we get into looking back at the Raiders game, maybe do a little preview on the Chiefs. We'll talk about injuries just because it's, it's a thing. You've got to talk about them. Um, and, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where it leads us. So uh, <laughs> start with you, Kerry. How you been, man? I'm good, man. Just, um, you know, and enjoying football while we got it. Uh, Want to do a little bookkeeping, kind of throw this out there. Uh, so I don't know if you guys um, do anything on underdog, but they got the um, uh, those pickums, those um, like prop betting um, kind of contests. So I did one for Monday night, did four, um, got three of them, missed one. Tyson Williams, I went over on 65 and a half yards rushing. He ended up with 65 yards rushing. Oh, my mm. God. <laughs> 10X, man. So, oh, Greg uh, Roman, John Harbaugh, I don't know who I need to send the invoice to. <laughs> y'all, y'all, you know, y'all decide amongst yourselves who, who getting it, but – I intend on getting my money. So <laughs> You got to so, go knocking on some doors. Got to. But, yeah, man, I've been good other than that, man. Just just glad to be back with y'all. That's crazy, man. All you had to do was give me one oh, more carry. You would have oh, 10x that thing. <laughs> that is crazy, man. Good Lord. Well, hey, like you said, we know we heard today, right? We know we know who who we need to we need to address this to because you know he was at his presser today talking about hey uh, we're gonna rotate backs we're not gonna have anyone back in there all the time right <laughs> so you know who to, you know who you need yeah. to address yeah. to that's all good hey look we understand that's the modern NFL can rotate backs nobody's gonna you know be that you know thirty carry a, a game running back anymore we all understand that but. When my man is is a yard away, a half a yard away from ten x. Come on, Greg, you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> I know. I know they got people listening. I know they got people listening. Y'all know what to do. Yeah, man, you got to hit those overs, Greg. <laughs> come on, come on, G-Rom. get your man. Anyway, uh, Chris, <laughs> how you been, man? I'm good, man. Happy to be with you guys as usual. Uh, you know, got my new microphone, so I'm good to go. Um, I got my little Lamar candle here. Light it up. Make sure Lamar's healthy for the year, for the rest of the season. Got it lit up for the whole year because we cannot lose Lamar. No. Hey, you got him covered. You got him covered right there, baby. That's what I like that thing up each game. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've had a rash of injuries. Um, you know, we heard, oh, was it today or was it yesterday, uh, the news about Ronnie Stanley perhaps being out not just for the Sunday night game against the Chiefs, but maybe even for a little bit more time. I don't know if anything has been official about that. Obviously, he was on the injury report. I think it was Jason Lacanfora who reported that, that he might be out for longer. But, you know, obviously the team is not going to give too much about that at this time. But, you know, that's 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 a bummer. 
obviously. Yeah. Uh, they missed Ronnie for a big chunk of last year. You got him back, uh, played a little bit in that last preseason game, played the entire game Monday night. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it was a setback ankle, just like you said, Chris, earlier ankle just maybe wasn't fully healed or completely ready, needed a little more time. I don't know what it was, um, but, yeah. you know, look, and, you know, they said it was a physical and also mental issue, too. So mm. it's, you know, that's that that's big because one of the main things when it comes to injuries is how does the player feel coming back? It's not always is it healed all the way. It's like, does the player trust himself physically and and that, that's a mental hurdle that that sometimes overlooked too and that's something that we heard about with Cortland Sutton this year where he wasn't going up and jumping for the ball like if it was high he was just letting it sail he because he didn't trust his his surgically repaired knee and uh I mean it could be the same thing with Rodney where he just he's not trusting that that ankle right now it's just not feeling right for him uh we, we don't quite know but I, I give them props. I, get, I don't know who made the call, whether if it was him or the, the staff, but I give them props for recognizing it and, you know, just giving him the, the proper time to, to get right. Yeah, that's a really important point. That mental part, probably, you said it really, more important than even the physical part um, because your body can, can be physically fine, but if your mind is not trusting it and you don't have the confidence that you had before, then it doesn't matter. You know what condition your body is in. Um, so that you're, I'm glad you said that. That's not something that we we think about often with that kind of thing. Um, but let's let's switch gears a little bit and, and look back at that Raiders game. It was an exciting game. Um, I was talking with Denard Denard Melton, friend of the show, on the Fire Zone show uh, the other night about how just it was just a fun game to watch. I mean, yeah, obviously I wanted the Ravens to win, so I was you know uh, it's not the outcome that I wanted, but just from a, a watchability standpoint, an entertainment standpoint, that's what you want to see. You want to see a good game, right? You want to see back and forth, overtime, big plays, you know, that ending, right? Crazy. The ending of the game, you know, at the fourth quarter, at the end well, of the It was done, then it wasn't done. And <laughs> you can't beat it for, for entertainment value. But I'll, I'll start with you, Chris. What what did you think about the game? Again, this is, this is kind of our clean slate segment you can you can you know open run let's call it that we'll call this the open run segment you can you can go anywhere you want to uh with with your thoughts on the game well i didn't find it entertaining i don't like those games <laughs> i do not like those games one bit if it's a different team then fine but when it's the ravers i do not like those games but uh it was it was disappointing man it was really disappointing because i thought that was a game where i didn't think they were going to blow them out in any way but I thought it would be a game, you know, kind of like the way the, you know, the almost all of the first half went, where it's, you know, 14 zip. And it's like, all right, you know, we kind of put this on cruise control. It looks like it's going to be a good night. But, you know, then that second half happened. And not even the second half, the uh, to the end of the first half, where I think it was they scored 10, 10 uh, unanswered points to, to close out the first half. And, uh, you know, it just – it seemed like the defense just never recovered after that. And, you know, we've been talking about it, how Gruden had Derek Carr and those guys ready to go. He had them because every button they pushed, it was working. He saw every blitz that was coming and he knew where to go with the ball. And, you know, hats off to them because you could tell that they prepared their asses off for this defense because it, you don't see quarterbacks, you know, 
quarterback of you know that caliber you know no disrespect to Derek Carr but he's no Pat Mahomes he's no uh Peyton Manning or Tom Brady you know those kind of quarterbacks that you see just carve up a Ravens defense and he was able to look, look comfortable and just get it get the ball to where it needed to be and uh, props to them uh there's some major work to be done uh, as far as the offense so, I mean well the offense they did their thing too the offense they came out, they, you look at the numbers, I mean, just plain look at the numbers, they did fairly well for losing a, their starting left guard, for having the amount of guys that are injured, they they did a, a pretty good job. Uh, but the defense, man, that's the part where I just, I cannot get over the defense. It just, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, they had a good first quarter and a good third quarter. Scoreless first quarter and a scoreless third quarter. And then, like you said, gave up those 10 in the second and then 17 in the fourth. Very uncharacteristic uh, for Ravens defense. Um, at Yoshi2052 on Twitter said it was reminiscent of that Titans game, regular season Titans game um, from 2020. I think it was like week 11 or something like that where, you know, basically a bunch of Titans put up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter and then kind of had that walk-off um at the end so it did kind of feel like that at the end which again is just not really characteristic uh of the ravens defense but you know you said it you know gruden was in his bag and their offensive line i got to give credit to the raiders offensive line because i think coming in i was looking at them and i'm thinking okay they their starting left guard is out in incognito um their center andre james has i don't know i think he played in two games last year uh, something like that. He's a young guy. Denzel Good, right guard, kind of a career sort of journeyman, solid, but you know, you know, more more of a journeyman type guy. And then a rookie, right tackle, um, you know, Leatherwood at right tackle out of Alabama, good looking prospect, obviously, but still a rookie. And Colton Miller is is, is solid at left tackle, right? He kind of has settled into that role after kind of a, a, a bumpy start as a rookie. And John Simpson, my man, nasty John Simpson. At left guard, but again, experience, you know, a guy not, who doesn't have a, a ton of experience. And I thought they played relatively well overall. And then Dizel Good went out early and uh, Jermaine Illuminor had to come in. You know, Ravens, Ravens remember that name. And he was solid from the time that he came in. So, you know, credit to them because I think I was looking at it on paper. And as uh, Eric Rocker tweeted out in the week, he was talking about college football, not the NFL, but he was talking about the rating system, right, coming out of high school, all the stars, four-star, five-star. He's like, look, when we get on the field, all that star BS go out the window. It's you versus me. <laughs> this is all that matters, right? None of that rating stuff matters. And that, it's like that all the time, even at the NFL level. I mean, they don't have that star rating, but, you know, you got PFF grades or, or whatever other grading system and people can get into, okay, this player is better than that player, you know, on Twitter or wherever. But when they get on that field, it's me versus you. None of that other stuff matters, and they 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 held their own. So credit to them. Carrie, let me go to you then. Um, what do you think coming away from that game? What were your thoughts um, about what you saw out there? Take it wherever you want. Yeah, I think the first thing for me is that I clearly like underestimated how much this offensive line group needed live reps together in you know an important game. Um. Because if going into it, you know, like Chris said, I wasn't expecting them to necessarily blow the Raiders out. But, you know, I'm looking at their defense, and I think they were like 25th in adjusted sack rate last year. 
um, and Monday night, I mean, Max Crosby looked like Howie Long out there. <laughs> like, they couldn't block him at all. But when you really, like, think about it, Ronnie Stanley was in his first, you know, real live game action. Uh, Zeitler missed a bunch of time and, you know, training camp. Tyree Phillips is out there, um, you know, for the first time with this group at left guard. Then he ended up getting hurt. Uh, Villanueva, you know, we don't talk about this because he's such a vet, but, you know, he's playing a different position than he played his whole career, um, you know, switching over to that right side. So, uh, like, I don't really think it's 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 fair to kind of gloss over these things. Like, these are all things that need to be worked out, and they get worked out by actually playing on the field and going through this stuff and making the mistakes and learning from them and kind of gelling as a group. So, you know, that was my big takeaway is that, hey, you know, this piece of it is probably going to take some time. And now it's probably going to take a little bit more time where, where Ronnie, you know, missing time. Um, so, you know, that was one of my big takeaways. And, you know, other than that, um, you know, a little disappointed with the uh, with the defense. But like you guys say, you, you have to take your head off to Gruden and the Raiders. They were uber prepared for this Ravens um, pass rush. And like you said, looking at the offensive line of the Raiders going in, I mean, they dismantled that offensive line in the offseason, you know, with Rodney Hudson being traded and um, Trent Brown being traded. And, I mean, they were like self-sabotaging a group is what it looked like. But, you know, these guys held up, man. Like you said, your guy Simpson at left guard, he was out there, you know, moving some furniture out there. <laughs> and, you know, those guys held up well, man. So, you know, it's easy to kind of look at things too big picture and start thinking about, you know, the Super Bowl and all these different things. But, you know, if you just, you know, take that shorter approach and say, hey, man, this is one of 17 and, you know, they have some work to do, but – you know, they got some guys coming, you know, Bateman and, um, you know, Ben Cleveland, once he gets up to speed, you know, they got some reinforcements coming. So, you know, it's nothing to, to get too panicked about. No, definitely not. And, you know, you hear it all the time about how the NFL is a week-to-week league. And you can say that's coach speak or cliche, but to me, it's real. It's a real thing because we see it every season where you go into a game and it looks like there's no way one team should be able to compete, let alone beat another team because of injuries or whatever else is going on. You know, their record leading into that game, maybe they lost a bunch in a row. And then they they went, right? It happens every year in the NFL and it happens multiple times throughout a season. So perfect example is the 2020 Titans. Yeah. That's yep. a perfect example. Yep. Yeah. You look at that game, right? 14 and two in the regular season and you know, that wasn't that result wasn't supposed to happen, <laughs> you know, but it did. Yeah. So that that just shows you how true that phrase really is. It really is week to week. It is any given Sunday. Use whatever one you want. But at the heart of it, the fact that anything can happen in any one game is is true. And hey, look, I know we're a Ravens pod, Ravens fans, but hey, I, I respect good play. So you mentioned him carry credit to. Max Crosby, man. I mean, he was out there giving work to pretty much whoever he lined up against. And also, uh, a lot like Darren Waller, 
he's a guy who struggled and, and, and had addiction issues. He, he talked about um, being addicted to alcohol. And actually in 2020, I think it was in March, it was after the season, he actually checked himself in to a rehab program and went through the program, got clean. Um, I think just recently he had celebrated like 18 months clean, you know, 18 months sober. Uh, and, yeah. he's, you know, he, he really kind of recommitted himself to the game and his, his, his nutrition and his fitness. And obviously he had some injuries too, I think, in 2020. I think he uh, maybe had a shoulder issue and then a wrist issue or hamstring, something like that. Uh, and so he kind of took a little bit of a step back from his, his rookie season in 2019. But then, I mean, last night it, it looked like it was all back and, and, and some stuff was added. <laughs> what was there? <laughs> was back. And he added some new stuff too. Uh, credit, credit to him, uh, man, for, for putting on uh, the show that he put on. He, he was he was playing like he should have been the fourth overall pick instead of Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, man. yeah. That man, that man was was on a mission. So good, you know, good for him. Uh, like I said, I always want to want to highlight guys and give credit to guys who yeah. who put in that kind of work and and have to overcome, you know, just life. You know, it wasn't. This isn't. Wasn't even just about football. I mean, he was. He was struggling with stuff that people struggle with every day. You know, in terms of addiction. So credit, credit to him. And and that's basically how we started this podcast. Is where we get. You know, we want to humanize these guys and not just. You know, they're a robot or they're you know just characters on in Madden. You know, these are real guys that have real problems just like everybody else. It doesn't matter if they're millionaires. Doesn't matter if they have car, nice cars, nice houses. They they got the same problems. Yeah, but then they got to deal with their problems in such a public way. You know, right? Most of us at least have the the, the some level of privacy that not you know too many. In some cases, nobody you know knows about whatever you're struggling with. These guys, it's it, it's going to get out there eventually. Like he said that he was able to kind of keep it under wraps. I mean, I didn't realize this. He going back to college. He had gotten in an accident, wrecked his car had a DUI back in college um, and that kind of affected, you know, his, his draft stock a little bit. And he said he, he made a deal with his college coach back then because he knew he was going to get suspended. And I think one of the next, and I think he said, coach said it was going to be a two game suspension. And one of those two games was going to be Purdue. And so he was like, look, that was going to be a big game. He wasn't, he wasn't, why did I say Michigan state? He wasn't at Michigan state. He was at some, some smaller school than that. Um, right about you started. There you go. Eastern Michigan. That's what I was saying. So that was going to be a big game. He knew that. Right. He's telling this coach, he's like, look, this is big in terms of scouts being there and all of that. They want to see us going up against a school like that because we don't get many opportunities to play big schools. And so I think he was able to work out a deal with his coach. Where this is going to sound bad, but I think they ended up reducing it to one game. So he didn't have to miss that Purdue game. But the deal was this is this is it. Right. No more drinking, um, you know. You know, you have to do some community service stuff. I think they were they they added in some kind of testing. I don't want to say it was alcohol. I don't know exactly what it was, but some kind of testing. And he said he was able to to meet all of that for the rest of that season. And then it wasn't until after he got drafted that he kind of started drinking again because he said, "Hey, you get drafted, uh, you're on the team. You want to be one of the guys. You know, you don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, I can't go out because of X, Y, or Z." And he kind of got back into it. And then he said he kind of lost control of it again. So it's a tough thing to deal with for anybody. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy for him man, that he was kind of able to come out the other side of it and 
still able to pursue his dream. So good for him. But let me yeah. let me hear you guys. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, I just want to go back to what you guys were saying, uh, just about you know taking it week by week because that's not something that I really thought of uh, because you know every, it's just you know when you lose your left tackle and your left guard and you already have you know Marcus Peters on IR, all the damn running backs on IR, uh, Nick Boyle still not not playing. It's easy to get into doom and gloom mode. But, uh, you know, we could be in a position where, let's say, week week eight, week ten, we have a lot of those guys back. Ronnie could be back. Phillips could be back. Boyle could be back. Bateman could be back. And who knows how the injury bug goes. We don't know. We don't know if this is, you know, this is the, the, the worst it'll be. But, I mean, it, they could be in a position later on down the road if they just – Hold the fort down for a little bit, you know, maybe not look the best, but they hold the fort down. And then in the middle of the season, then you got all these guys coming back and then it's like, okay, now we could get rolling. And then, you know, they could maybe get hot and go on one of those runs. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom. Definitely not too early for that. Way too early for that. Like you said, we all understand the magnitude of the injuries, particularly the guys who are out for the year. You know, key players, key, key players on this team. So we understand all of that. But this is why that evaluation process throughout the offseason and into the preseason is so important. You know, and people talk about some of these back end of the roster guys and, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not that important. This is exactly why it does matter and exactly why it is important, because these situations happen. Now, is hit a little bit harder for the Ravens than, than it, it, it has hit re- in recent years. But this is why that process is so critical because you've got to have guys that you feel confident enough in to be able to come in and and play. And, you know, John Arbaugh, he said it during one of their, their Ravens wired things where he was speaking to the team. It was back during the preseason. And he was saying it was before the final cuts. And I think he was saying, look, every one of you guys in here, regardless of what happens after cut down day, can play in this league. There's not anybody in here that can't play in this league. And he said, I can't say that every year. Sometimes there's there's guys <laughs> that really don't have a place in the league. But he was like, everyone in this room this year can play in this league. And so, you know, being able to have that kind of depth. And you and I, you, the three of us talked about it when we did our, our roster prediction show with with uh, Coach and Denard, like how, not just how much depth they had, but the quality of the depth that they had and why it was so difficult to make those choices to get down to the 53 this year and this is this is where you hope that pays off for you because now you need it right you guys just aren't there and you know you're hoping you can sprinkle them in gradually and and use them in different packages now they got to play right they got to get out on the field so uh that is absolutely critical but before we move on from the raiders game so we do want to talk a little bit about the chiefs of course that's only a couple days ago i wanted to hit you both with at least two things that I saw a lot of people either complaining about or just, you know, questioning it or, you know, wondering, you know, is this something to really be concerned about or, or was it just a one game thing? So I'll start with you, Carrie. Here's the first thing. And you both talked about it in your comments, but I, I just want to kind of drill down on it a little bit. The pass rush, right? And specifically the four man pass rush, right? People know that Wink likes to send pressure. They know the Ravens can 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 make things difficult for quarterbacks when they bring pressure. But they didn't bring a ton of pressure 
on Monday night. Did a lot of four man rush. And I think, you know, there was there was a narrative out there. Maybe it's not a narrative, but it was true. But <laughs> there were people who were concerned about that four man pass rush, even with the addition of guys like Justin Houston and drafting Adape Owe and you know, getting um Campbell back healthy. And, eh, it looked like they were able to generate much pressure on Carr. What did you think about the pass rush? Were you concerned or do you look at it as, hey, it's one game, guys kind of still getting used to working together and, and kind of feeling their way? Or, you know, what was, what was your take on it? Yeah, I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle on that. I mean, uh, you, you definitely want to see them be able to generate more pressure. But I think you hit on one key thing is a lot of these guys, um, you know, with Houston and, you know, Oway, a lot of these guys are – this is their first game with the Ravens. So, you know, that's something that's taking that count. And then another guy to me that's big and, uh, you know, stunning and twisting and, you know, that kind of game freeing guys up is Derrick Wolf. You know, not having him out there – is you know kind of kind of critical, man. When you where you when you really look at the way this team wants to play, not having them out there to kind of facilitate some of those things, um, you know, wasn't wasn't great either. Um, but I think when you look at this over the long haul, I, it, it'd be one thing if this was just a veteran laden group that you know maybe didn't have an upward uh, trajectory. But I mean, you just look at Oway alone, and I mean, what couldn't he do? I, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be scary looking at this guy. You know, by week twelve, week thirteen, once he figures some more things out. I mean, that alone, like, if this guy's like a full-on game record by the end of the season, I would not be surprised at all. Um, so you got to factor that in. I think Justin Houston is going to be, um, you know, better in, in time. Getting Wolf back is definitely going to help. Um, so I would say, like I said, I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I would want to see a little bit more pressure um, than what we saw, um, but I'm also not going to panic about it. Yeah, man. Oh, way. I mean, you mm. can you could have your own little show on on how he played. I mean, look. Uh, it's it's raw right now. I think anybody watching could see that. You know, there's there's definitely some uh, some technique stuff there and some refinement there, which is to be expected. You know, considering you know kind of his background uh, at Penn State and then also just being a rookie. But just in terms of raw ability, I mean, it's it, you saw the effect that he had, and and he's still like you said, really trying to figure some things out. When he starts to put it together and things start to slow down, man, watch out. It is <laughs> it's gonna be something. Yeah. <laughs> and Dalen Hayes didn't play in that game. Dalen Hayes, who showed, you know, a nice little pass rush um mm -hmm. repertoire, little toolbox in the preseason. Uh and I think they didn't have him uh in this game and, and, and he could have given them, you know, another piece in that rotation to spell some of those guys. Cause Denard and I talk about that too. Anytime you gotta rush 55, 60 times. I don't care how good your pass rushers are. That's yeah. going to take soul on anybody because uh, he's, you know, Dar said, you know, you might have twenty-five, maybe thirty good get-offs in you uh, as a pass rusher, maybe thirty. And he's like, thirty is like on the high end. Like if you just you're in the flow, right? All the pass rush stuff's working, and you're just feeling it. You might have thirty, thirty-five of those, but he's like, nobody's got sixty. 
<laughs> we haven't created the person that's got 60 uh, to get offset on in, in the game. Uh, but let me go to you on that one, Chris. What, what did you think about the pass rush, four-man rush? Did you have any concerns about any of that? Uh, no, I didn't really have uh, any concerns really about it. Uh, not that it was great, but uh, I, this is something Denard brought up last year when we we had him on the podcast. And uh, he said it always takes time for for the defensive line to gel together. We always think about the offensive line gelling together, but it's the defensive line too that has to gel together because, like Kerry said, when we when we broke down the film of uh, when Derek Wolf was signed, we saw him and and Von Miller playing those games perfectly, and you could see that they were just always in sync. Wolf knew when when uh, Von was going to come. Vaughn knew when Wolf was gonna, you know, take on a, his guy. So it's it. There are certain games and certain certain uh, factors that come into play when it when it's a defensive line. We just think it's all right. Just go beat this guy and you're good. But it, it's so much deeper than that. It, it's you have to know what the guy next to you is doing. You have to have a feel for that and and get used to it. And a, a lot of these guys that you know they they haven't been together. You know, outside of Calais outside of Brandon Williams they a lot of these guys haven't been together Justin Houston he hasn't been there that long always a, a rookie you know so it's it, it takes time it, it takes some time but now if we're in week six and week seven and we're seeing some of this stuff then you know be a little bit a little panic but uh not in week one that's where I'm at too like if it is a consistent issue as we get deeper into the season, then, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to feel differently about it, but you guys hit on, you know, all of the really valid reasons why you're not concerned um, that much, why I'm not concerned. And I'm not going to bore people with the numbers because um, I did some charting on some of the stuff. Cause I was just curious about it myself, but man, the Raiders and their help system, you know, how you help your offensive line in pass protection. Um, running backs, chipping guys coming out of the backfield, you know, chipping, chipping edge rushers, you know, as, as they, they come out of the backfield and release into a pass route, tight ends, chipping guys, tight ends, staying in the block. Like there's a lot of six and seven man pass protection, lining players up, aligning players uh, in a position like tighter splits, you know, closer to the tackle where now these edge rushers have to adjust their alignment. And even if that guy doesn't actually touch you as he releases on his route, you got to see him, right? You can't, you can't like not look at him, right? Especially if he's chipped you earlier in the game. And now you're trying to, now you're thinking, was he going to chip me? Is he not going to chip me? You know, all of that can, can affect the mental part of, of what you're trying to do and, and the physical part as well. And then combine that with um, a lot of the quick game concepts that they were running where, you know, the, the play is designed to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand, three-step drop. Carr was getting it out quick in, in, in a lot of those situations. So it's just hard to get uh, an effective pass rush when you've got all of that um, sort of going. And, and it goes back to what both of you guys said about the Raiders' preparation, you know, credit to them for putting that kind of help package together. And, uh what did I, oh, one other thing I wanted to, the, the, that I saw in my charting, I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter, is the Ravens use uh, the Raiders, excuse me, using a lot of heavier personnel, right? Uh, fullback, two tight ends, and defense has to kind of match, right? In, in some kind of way, you have to match that personnel. And on the defensive line, what the Ravens were doing is 
when they would have those two tight ends, sometimes even three tight ends uh, and a fullback in the game, they would bring in an extra D tackle so or two. So they would have three defensive tackles on the field and then an edge rusher, DN type of body. So it was usually Brandon Williams, Matabike, and then it, the third guy rotated between um, Roderick Washington and Justin Ellis. And no slight to those guys, but um, that's going to take a little juice out of your pass rush. I mean, I think people see Matabike as a guy that's got some explosiveness in terms of being able to rush on the interior. But those other big dudes, uh, you know, it's not the same kind of juice, right? When you take a Calais Campbell off the field, where you take a Pernell McPhee off the field, it's just not the same kind of juice. But all of that was part of the plan for the Raiders to use those sets and then throw out of those sets, right? I mean, he he, he throwing, you know, routes in the flat to the fullback. <laughs> so this yeah. this was all part of the plan for them and and they executed it uh that's that's the thing that um the second part of the plan that i think you really have to give them credit for it's great to have a plan but like mike tyson said everybody got plans they get hit the raiders were able to actually execute the plan now it wasn't that they just had a good plan they actually executed it really well and the ravens never really pushed them to get off of that plan too far i think every now and then they maybe had to kind of go in a slightly different direction with some of the stuff they called. Maybe they wanted to call something else, but for the most part, they were able to stay kind of on their script. I think that they wanted to stay on. So um, I won't, there was one other one I want to hit you on before we move on to the chiefs. I won't go back to the offensive line. Cause I think you both covered that already, but Lamar, particularly Lamar in the passing game and holding the ball, right? I saw this out there. He's holding the ball too long. He's got to get the ball out of his hands. It's pump faking. Why is he pump faking? Why isn't he just getting the ball out on time? And some people saying that contributed to some of the pressure issues uh, that he was experiencing. I'll start with you on this one, Chris. What did, did you have any concerns about that? Do you think that there's something there? Or do you think there could maybe be other things explained? How do, how do you feel about it? Um, well, so when we initially spoke about it, I, I just, you know, chalked it up to uh, not having enough time with these guys. Uh, because he missed a chunk of time, a bunch of the wide receivers missed a chunk of time. So that the timing, the rhythm, the anticipation, the trust, it gets thrown off when you miss all of that time. And I feel like in, there were some of those windows where he wanted to throw it, but he just like that. You should you sent a picture of um, a, a screenshot of when he wanted to throw the ball, but Hollywood wasn't wasn't looking. And I feel like maybe if they have that time together during training camp, he trusts that Hollywood will get his head around in time and he could just lay that ball out there in front of him. But I, at this point, week one, you know, being as rusty as he is and as rusty as as uh, the, some of the wide receivers are as far as timing is concerned, I, I think we saw some of that creep in with, with some of those pump fakes and him just kind of second guessing himself real quick. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I think that maybe happened a little bit more than people realize. But, Kerry, let me go to you on that. Did you have any concerns uh, in terms of, you know, that thought about Lamar holding the ball, not getting the ball out on time? No, I really didn't, man. It's one of those things where when you look at it, there's two guys, there's two other guys in the league that have a propensity for kind of holding on to the ball a little bit too long. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, but it, it really doesn't come up until, you know, there is a, a you know, a, a too many sacks or a fumble or whatever the case may be 
but we don't talk about all the other times where these guys may have held the ball a little bit too long, but they make plays downfield or, you know, they get in the open field and they make a guy miss it. You know, it comes with the territory of having a player as talented as he is that can make these kind of plays. You know, you just, you extend that trust to them to, uh, you know, make the right play, make the right decision. And, you know, sometimes they just leads to, you know, them holding on to the ball a little bit too long. You know, I don't really have full trust in Lamar as far as his ability to kind of find that balance and, you know, trust that he's going to be able to put everything together and make plays. So, you know, to me, it's honestly a non-issue. Yeah, I do. people didn't seem to have an issue with it on that touchdown pass to Hollywood. I mean, he's got to avoid, you know, a couple guys in the backfield and he's he's scrambling, sprinting out to his right, you know, extending, 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 and he finds Hollywood. I think you you named, you know, those guys in, in, in Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson, by the way, if, if, if anybody watched um, the, the feed of the game, the broadcast of the game with Peyton and Eli, um, they had a couple different guests that rolled through there with them during that feed um they had charles barkley on there they had ray lewis on there travis kelsey and they had russell wilson for the fourth quarter he ended up staying through the whole fourth quarter and in the overtime that dude was calling stuff like tony romo i mean he could walk into a booth today i think and become like the number one guy on any broadcast team if that's what he wanted to do obviously he still has you know a lot of good football left into him but man he was calling stuff out like crazy because you know we're all in a in a twitter chat and i was sharing some of the stuff that he was saying with you guys and then it was happening on the field i was like this dude is calling out all kinds of stuff um so you know that was that was really kind of entertaining um but yeah to 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 both of your point about lamar there is a balance in there obviously between sort of staying within the timing and the structure of a play and getting the ball out um within that framework, but then you don't want to coach the playmaker out of guys like that. That's, that's what got them. here. That's what makes them who they are. Is that playmaking ability, that natural, you know, just instinctive ability. You don't want to coach that out of them. So I think you're going to have to live with some of that when there, when there are legitimate cases where it's him holding the ball too long, he's got a guy open, he's got protection. The guy's ready for the ball. You know, everything is, is, is set and he doesn't get the ball out. But when that happens, yeah, you know, those are legitimate things that you probably want to work on um, as his coaches and, and and he himself. Obviously, these guys go back and watch themselves and critique themselves, but you can't take that playmaker out of him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even try. I'd be like, nah, man, you you do your thing. You uh, <laughs> ain't got nothing to say to you, man. You're doing what you're doing out there. Um, so unless you guys, I'll throw it out there before we move on. Either one of you want to hit on anything else on the, on the Raiders game before we – we wrap that one up. No, I'm good. I'm good, man. I just uh-huh. I want to I want to move on and put it in the rear view mirror already. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. the same rear view. We're putting that thing and we're moving on. Uh, and and we're moving on to Kansas City coming in to the bank Sunday night football. And uh, I think I saw a tweet today about their practice report. Total opposite end of the spectrum from the Ravens. All 53 guys practicing today. <laughs> so all systems are, are go there and looking good. And they're going to, you know, get a couple of guys back. It looks like this week. Tyron Matthew will be back this week. He didn't play last week 
against the Browns. Um, so, you know, hey, that's how it goes with injuries. You know, sometimes you're up, sometimes another team is down, and, and, and sometimes that flips around. Um, but they've they faced the Chiefs, obviously, the last couple of years hasn't hasn't gone their way, but they've all been competitive games. Uh, we're, we're in town last year in a primetime game, but no fans in the stadium. So this is going to be a different atmosphere uh, on Sunday night. I'll, I'll start with you, Kerry, uh, on this. What, what is, is this third time or fourth time? Let's see. They played them in, no, 2018, 2019. This is fourth time, right? Yeah, it was fourth time, yeah. So here we go with uh, Ravens Chiefs uh, Quattro. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you think uh, uh, about this game and um, the matchups and and just what you expect to see uh, Sunday night? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, man. Um, I think on the offensive side of um, of the ball, um, I have some kind of trepidation because you know they're bringing uh, on Devontae Freeman, and then of course Greg Roman made the uh, comments he made about kind of rotating backs, but. I think we're at a point where it's clear that that Tyson is, um, you know, a bit more versatile and a and a step above these other guys. You know, right now, um, you know, when all the backs started getting added, you know, a lot of people were talking about how they thought Latavius Murray was going to be, you know, the the lead guy in short order. And, you know, I, I like Latavius Murray as a player. I like his physical running style. I like his ability to pass protect. But, like, we shouldn't lose um, sight of the fact that he lost his job to Tony Jones playing behind a much better offensive line than this Ravens offensive line. And then Devontae Freeman was in that same situation, and he got cut before Latavius Murray did. You know, these are, you know, veteran guys that you can trust. Yeah, they can pass, protect. They can do some of those things. But they're kind of taking stuff off of the table as far as the upside of this rushing offense. And I think it's going to be important that they they continue to lean more on Tyson to, to be that guy that, um, you know, they can kind of create stuff instead of, you know, just getting what's blocked three yards in a cloud of dust because, you know, this running game is going to be important against the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs are one of those teams that, you know, they play the run on the way to the quarterback. You know, they they focus on pass defense and, you know, they can be vulnerable against the run. And so, you know, with Lamar kind of spearheading this rushing attack, if you got a guy back there that has some juice, um, you know, that he's handing that ball off to, you know, you can get some things done against this this Chiefs front. So, you know, offensively, I'm looking at that. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, it's just going to be interesting to see how Wink um, goes about this. You know, the Chiefs are one of those teams that um, defenses have tried to, like, make them play the long game, um, you know, keep the deep ball away, two safeties back, make Mahomes be – um, you know, methodical, you know, with it. And so Wink is not really a methodical make you wait kind of guy. Like he wants to force the action. And, you know, with with uh, McCole Hartman playing more snaps 
uh, week one, then he played, you know, I think all of last season probably. Now you got two home run threats in there at all times. And so, you know, you got to pick your poison, man. And, like, I don't, you know, expect Wink to just sit back the whole game because, you know, that can be dangerous too when you got a guy like Mahomes that can buy time and improv and, you know, move things around. But it's it's a lot on Wink, man. He's going to have to call a really good game, a really balanced game, and he's going to have to, like, really pick his spots well. So, um, that's that's something I'm going to be looking at, you know, very closely is how he calls the game, and then, um, you know, the 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 snap share of the running backs. Tough matchup, man. I mean, Mahomes, cheat code, you know, in a different way than Lamar. Lamar's a cheat code too, but but in a different way, you know, they play a different style. But both of them make it extremely hard uh, to defend them, and and you made you know the case for for Mahomes. I mean. You can blitz him, and he's, in a lot of cases, inviting that because he knows how to beat it. He knows where to beat it. Uh, you can sit back in zone. For the most part, he's shown, you know, maybe in some of his early starts early on, his, his, you know, that first year as a full-time starter, maybe not as much. But I think since then he's shown, like, hey, I'll dink and dunk it if that's what you want me to do. Um, so th- those guys, man, when they hit that level – when they already have the explosive playmaking ability, big playmaking ability, but then they're also willing to go and play um, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning mode. It's hard to defend those guys, man. This is extremely hard to defend those guys. And then with us, with the Ravens, with, with all the offensive line issues, um, you've got, you know, Chris Jones. Look, he didn't go to FSU, but I remember when Wink talked about guys on the D-line from the FSU crew, and he's like, I'm not from Florida State. Chris Jones is one of those dudes. You crew up front, he is gonna mess some stuff up uh, all across the defensive line up front. Uh, and then, you know, no, no slight to Frank Clark, Frank Clark either. You know, he he's he's out there on the edge doing work too. So, uh, yeah, you 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 hit on a lot of the reasons for why this is this is not no no small order in front of them. Chris, I go to you. I mean, they're getting them at home. Going to have a hometown, uh, home hometown fans in in the stadium. You know, going to be a great atmosphere compared to what it was last year. What do you think uh, about this matchup and, and kind of how you see it playing out? I mean, I would have been nervous as every if everyone on the Ravens was healthy. So <laughs> now that a bunch of people are hurt, I'm still nervous, man. But uh, I mean, hopefully we can see we can see them be at least competitive in it. I'm hoping. Um, I think the O-line, you know, it's not ideal to lose Ronnie Stanley. It's never, never ideal to lose, you know, an all-pro tackle. But Villanueva was going to his natural position. That's good. Uh, We've seen Makari play right tackle before. So it's not, it isn't uh, where you have someone who's never played the position going out there. It's someone who has experience there. Now, whether he'll excel there or not is yet to be seen. But I'm I'm somewhat somewhat comfortable with him there. Um, now, there's as far as the wide receivers are concerned, Hollywood hasn't practiced this week, mm. so that'll be a huge blow to the offense because. Outside of him, there isn't anyone that'll scare you deep. 
I mean, Duvernay has speed, but he's never proven that he can be a deep, you know, deep option, a, a guy that could can scare the opposing defenses. Uh, we have Sammy, who's, you know, been reliable, you know, and Mark Andrews, those guys. But without Hollywood, that takes away a lot of things that they can do on offense. And hopefully he can practice tomorrow because that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. Cause it, when you miss two days straight in practice is normally not a good sign, but uh, on the flip side for that, it looks like Jimmy's been practicing. So I'm wondering if we'll get Jimmy back after losing Chris Westry this past week. So if they have Jimmy back, that'll be huge because we know Wink could trust Jimmy. Wink knows what Jimmy could do. Jimmy knows how Wink's system works. So, let, let's pray and see, but um, yeah, I'm I'm nervous, man. I'm not gonna lie, I'm nervous. Who would blame you? I mean, <laughs> you you <laughs> a very uh, very convincing case uh, for for why you know we we should feel some of those nerves. Um, you know, you think back to the it might have been the 2019 game. I don't think it was last year. Where yeah, it was it because it was in Kansas City where Harbaugh talked about it being a possession game, right? They wanted more possessions than the, uh, than the Chiefs. And I think anytime you can have more possessions uh, than your opponent, it's a place you'd like to be. And, of course, you want to do something with those possessions, right? You're trying to score. It's not just enough just to have the possessions. You're trying to score points. You're trying to score touchdowns, preferably. But, you know, for me, this, this – and then this kind of maybe runs counter to the way that the Chiefs play, but um, you guys watch a lot more NBA than me. But uh, to me, this is one of those scenarios where you got a team that likes to get up and down the court, and you got another team who maybe you know can't quite match that same style. You got to try to slow these boys down. You got to make this a half court game, uh, in my opinion, to try to yeah. give yourself an opportunity to be competitive. Now, that doesn't mean don't be aggressive and take your shots when you have opportunities to take shots. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that if you can kind of get back to some of that 2019 Ravens mode where, you know, you're, you're running the ball, controlling the ball, keeping Mahomes over there on the sideline, um, not making mistakes, converting, you know, when you need to convert game points, when you need to get points and, you know, just limiting his opportunities. I think that's how you can give yourself, you know, a chance in, in a game like this where, you know, honestly, um, you don't you don't have all your horses. I mean that that's just factual, and so um, you know I think you you might uh, find yourself in a in a in a more competitive position if you're able to kind of play that style. But then again, that we just talked about week to week in the NFL, and you never know. I could be completely wrong. They could come out guns blazing, throwing it all over the place, ripping off long runs. <laughs> you know yeah. who knows? Who knows? And and, and that that's something to factor in too because. You know, right now, I mean, we haven't seen this this group, this core, with their backs against the wall very often. So we, let's see how Lamar responds to this because when he was at Louisville, he was he wasn't a favorite going up against Clemson, but we saw his game rise and he was able to kind of take that and and bring his play to a next level. So maybe we'll see that evolution in him this season where. They'll probably be underdogs in in more games that they've been in the past. Could definitely see that. I mean, just with the way things look in terms of the roster, you can definitely see Vegas treating them that way. 
um, and, and probably not having them quite, you know, as as a favorite as many times as maybe they have in in the past in some of these matchups. But like I said earlier today on Twitter, like, hey, you know, the injury thing is a bummer for sure, but I'm still optimistic because uh, I think anytime you got eight as your quarterback, you have an opportunity to win a game. So yeah. uh, when he's back there, there's nobody else like him in the league. And so, you know, that that's going to give you an opportunity. So as long as we got that candle lit, I feel really good <laughs> <laughs> about our opportunities uh, to have him out there and to be healthy. And uh, I look forward to the game, man. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be exciting. I hope that atmosphere – I'm not going to be there for the game, but I hope that atmosphere is as, as crazy as I think it's going to be. Because I would love for the Chiefs to have to come into that and have to deal with the crowd noise and, and deal with all of that. For what that that stadium can be when it's really rocking, so um, I hope I hope all of that happens. But um, I think it's a good place to probably go ahead and close this thing out. Um, we, we look back at the Raiders game. We did a little sneak preview to the Chiefs game. I don't really think there's anything else that we wanted to hit on. Either one of you guys got anything, or you you feel like we can we can land this thing? Nah, I, I think, think I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Oh man, people aren't gonna believe this, man. They're gonna be like, "Wait a minute, they get ready to do like another hour, right?" They just setting us up. Your your eyes and ears do not deceive you. Check the check the time on the video. Check the time oh no, I do. I have something. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I forgot. Let's go on about the draft. Ah, that's right. That's right. Oh that's yeah. See, yeah. there you go, folks. Here we go. You know. Chris. <laughs> no, so so there there's a, a, a you know quite the discussion going on right now because a lot of people wanted the Ravens to draft uh, an offensive tackle uh, fairly high. There are some who wanted them to take him take a, a tackle later on in the draft. Shout out to Cole Jackson. He was a stone foresight guy and he did not understand the Ben Mason pick. And in hindsight, you know that's he has a point. He has a very valid point. Uh, but there are some that are saying that the Ravens probably shouldn't have taken Bateman or Owe, and they should have reached for guys like Liam Eikenberg, Sam Cosme. I'm not part of that group. Hmm. I feel like Bateman and Owe, they're just guys that their ceilings and quite possibly their floors are way higher than any of those tackles that were there. The only other tackle that, in my opinion, who I thought should be in that in that consideration for the first round was Tevin Jenkins. And there were rumors about his back being messed up and that scaring off teams. And he's out for the season because he had to get back surgery. So he was the only guy there that I probably would have considered at those two spots. And he was injured. So. Outside of him, I don't really see anybody else that I would take over Bateman or Owe. And I feel like we should just put that to rest because it's I think when we look back in two, three years, we'll see that the Ravens made the right decision with these guys. And even right now, I mean, Bateman, you know, he I mean, granted, it was a practice, but it was in front of the lights, in front of the fans. And we saw him just flat out beat Marlon Humphrey for a touchdown. You know, so he he was making noise all through camp. Oway, we saw the flashes game one. You know, that that guy's going to be special. 
So I, I don't think we should jump on and, and say, oh, they should have drafted this guy. They should have did that. I think we should let this thing play out and and trust, you know, what DaCosta is, is doing. And, you know, just look at the evidence that we have. I mean, it's short. We're not even, you know, two games into the season. But from what these guys have put on tape and have showed everybody so far, I, I believe they've made the right choices. I'm with you, and I'm going to hold my thoughts because I want to hear from Kerry first. But, Kerry, let me let me go to you. What, what do you think about this hindsight bias that's going on out there, man? Yeah, it's a lot of that going around, man. And it's like, you know, the the thing with the Ben Mason pick, I can understand people being frustrated about it. Um, but, you know, they, they, they only have one guy as an option that they can give you to, to go to. And the guy is not playing. <laughs> and so when you look at it, my first thing is I'm always going to say is, yeah, I can have my opinion on this. And, you know, we put in a lot of work with this. But let me tell you who we don't put in more work than. Eric DaCosta. <laughs> we don't put in more work than him and, and, and his staff. So if they looked at this draft class and say, hey, I don't really identify a tackle in this class, I'm going to take him at his word. Because, you know, they've shown – you know, year after year, especially in those middle rounds, these rounds that people have been clamoring for, this imaginary tackle that they can't give me the name of that they, that the Ravens should have took. <laughs> I don't see that guy. And, then, and clearly Eric DaCosta didn't see that guy either. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, man, that, you know, people, you know, they, they see one thing and they want to kind of like latch on to it. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm hearing a lot of, the Ravens shouldn't have traded Orlando Brown Jr. or they didn't get the proper value for him. Like that's that's starting to kind of pop back up, and it, it's just you know it's it's one game, man. Yeah, just just relax. It's one game. You know we don't have to re recreate, go back and recreate situations. You know just because the Ravens lost one game and the offensive line looked kind of shaky. You know you, you got. We got a long season left to go to kind of figure all this stuff out. Yeah, you guys hit on the two biggest things for me. Uh, number one being their draft philosophy in trusting their evaluation, their scouting process, and being true to their board. Um, you have to. You know, we, we've seen what happens when you don't. You know, Chris, you reminded me about Prashad Perry. We know what can happen when you get away from your board and you get away from all of that that preparation and evaluation process and you reach. So, I mean, just just think about that. Think about you have the scouting staff. They're doing all this work on these guys, not just for one season. Yeah, watching these guys two, three seasons in some case. And they've done all of this background. They've done all of the tape study. They, you know, gotten all the medical information. We use all of that to assign a grade to each guy, and then we slot all the guys on the board based on those grades. And then the draft is here. We're on the clock. We've got, you know, maybe a couple of guys at that particular draft slot where we're, you know, we're, we're on the clock to select, and we're, we're comfortable with taking one of those guys because we have them graded there. But then we got these offensive tackles that are graded lower. We don't have them at that slot. And we say, you know what? We appreciate all the work that you guys did, right? Scouts, all that stuff you did for the last couple of years. But we're going to scrap all that. And I'm going to go with my gut here. And I'm going to reach around or two for this offensive tackle because uh, I just know better, right? I know you guys did all the lay work, and but but I know better, 
right? So I'm going to go ahead and do that. That's how bad teams stay bad, right? <laughs> so I don't think uh, any of us would want them to operate that way. That's not how they've been able to kind of have this uh, run of, you know, relative consistent, uh, you know, people might point out a couple of those down years with Flacco, I'll say not success, competitive years. Let me call it that. I mean, look, they two Super Bowls in, you know, since 2000, I, I call it success, but some people might nitpick it. So let's go with competitiveness, right? Consistent competitiveness, having an opportunity to compete for the playoffs every year. And once you get in the dance, who knows what can happen, right? So I don't think anybody would want them to change that, the process that's led to those kinds of results, you know, just for this other, you know, hey, we need an offensive tackle. We need this player. We need that player. Um, and the other thing I will say about the Ben Mason thing, right? Again, I think the hindsight bias might be even a little bit stronger with that because people are looking at the fact that he didn't make the team, right? He ends up getting cut. He's trying to pass through waivers. He decides to sign with another team. So then it's really easy to say, oh, well, that's a wasted pick. You didn't even make your team. But what you have to consider, and all of this has been reported now, we didn't know it going back to the draft, but it's since been reported that Patrick Ricard had to have shoulder surgery in the offseason. You're already – uh, you already know that Nick Boyle is not going to be ready to start the season, right? And we know how important he is uh, to their offense and to their run game in particular as a blocker. Now you're probably losing the second most important blocker, you know, outside of the offensive line. You know, they're talking about non-offensive line positions. The second most important blocker in Patrick Ricard if he's not fully recovered from that offseason shoulder surgery. So you want to go into the season having to replace both of those two guys um, when – you have this guy on your board, you have him graded at that slot, and you say, hey, you know, let's, let's pull the trigger on that. It didn't work out, but I think that they stayed true to their process, and you can respect that. You know, they, they, were, they were thinking about not only staying true to their process, but also probably seeing him as an insurance policy in case Ricard wasn't fully healthy, and it all kind of just lined up. But it didn't work out, and that's how it goes sometimes. So yeah. there's no guarantee that if you take, whether it's Stone, Foresight, or whoever else, that those guys are going to come in and play well or not get injured themselves so there's just too many what ifs to go back now and say you know you should have done this and you should have done that because you've had these injuries and now you're having to fill holes with guys you know it just you you can you can play that game forever and yeah. i don't think it gets you i don't think it gets you anywhere yeah and this is not to to say like oh you know they made the pick you know that it's you know, it's guaranteed that they're going to be great players because we could see the 2019 draft and that one's not looking so great. So it's not to just blindly say that, you know, whatever DeCosta says, you know, that's that player is going to be great. It's just that we can look at their process and how they've done things throughout history, like Mike has said, and we see that their formula works. They don't hit on every player, but they're going to make they're going to have a competitive roster and they're going to build and construct this thing the way that it's been done for the last 25 years. And, you know, I, I think they've earned that trust where, you know, we we see them make these decisions. And there's some that we don't agree with. I don't agree with every pick. I don't agree with every move. I don't think they should have released Trent Cannon. But, you know, they're, they have a process. They have a process. And, you know, there are going to be opinions out there. But like we said, Give this thing a little bit of time. It's only the first game, you know. We, sh we should not be saying they shouldn't have taken Bateman. They shouldn't have taken Oway. You know, it it's 
let this thing play out a little bit. Yeah, and Kerry, Kerry said right. it too, man. Like Nobody is saying that these guys are without fault or that they don't miss. Everybody misses in the draft. And I think you look at the way that Eric DaCosta operates, and you can see based on how he operates, even he acknowledges, you know, kind of the low hit rate because he's constantly trying to acquire more picks. Yeah. He wants more opportunities to pick players because he knows that, you know, the hit rate, um, you know, there's not an exact science to this thing. So the fact that he acknowledges that by how aggressive he is in trying to obtain additional picks and um, Kerry's point about who puts in more work, him or us, right? We're out there and we're like, hey, look, no, you trust me, right? They, they <laughs> need to pick stone. For I don't care about their scouting staff, medical background. You need to listen to me because I'm on Twitter and <laughs> I watch all 22. <laughs> you need to listen to me, okay? Um, and and I think, Chris, your point is, is so important because people will hear some of this stuff that we're saying and all they'll probably take away from it is, oh, they think these guys are perfect. They think these guys never make mistakes. Watch this list, guys. You know, pick whichever offensive lineman you want out of some of the guys you name. Watch what season he goes on to have. Or, or they look back at the end of the year and say, see, look how he played. See, I told you guys. Again, you can play that hindsight bias game at any point. And the further you play it down the road, when you have an opportunity to see the outcome that you want, the more you win that game when you play it. Doesn't make you right. You're just able to win that game because it's 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 confirmatory, you know, at that point. Yeah. Now, now, if you say this on draft night, that's a whole different story. If you say it on draft night and it's on record, that's a whole different ball game. Hey, and I I don't want to, you know, I don't I don't want to brag or anything. <laughs> <laughs> we had people on this this fine podcast who have uh, made predictions on draft night that uh, you know look pretty good. So yeah. so yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, now I'm glad that you, you, you brought that up. I know we, we talked about that before we, we hit record about wanting to talk that and it, talk about that. It totally slipped my mind. Um, but that, that is such an important thing right now because that thing is running wild in the streets right now, <laughs> uh, feeling that way. And that's fine. People can, it's not, I mean, I'm trying to change anybody's mind. People can feel however they want to feel just offering our perspective, you know, to that discussion. That's, yeah. that's we do here. That's. That's why it's called the Deep Cover Podcast, because yes, it's our podcast. So we get to offer our perspectives. <laughs> um, so now, uh, now I'll do another round. Now do we feel like we can go ahead and wrap this episode up, or is there anything else you guys want to hit on? Now we're done. Yeah. Now we're done. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. Well, for Carrie, for Chris, for myself, hey, we appreciate everybody for watching, for listening. As usual, don't forget, remember, I got, I got it right this time. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, to to um, retweet on Twitter, to download the audio pod, all of those things to support and interact with the show. Um, and, you know, we're, we're in season four. I looked at that today. I can't believe we've been doing this for four seasons now. It's hard to, Damn. it's hard for me to yeah i know right it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that uh now okay you know a little behind the curtain here full disclosure the way i number the seasons they don't coincide with the football season because we had a couple where we kind of like took a break and like in the middle of the season we started out with like maybe a show or two and then we took like 
a multi-week break <laughs> picked it back up. And I was like, well, that's like a new season. So you know, full disclosure, it hasn't been four years. It's not what I'm saying, but you know, uh, it's probably been three years technically. I think if you, if you want to go by by football seasons and years, I think this is our third one, but but somehow I numbered it four. But anyway, um just more good stuff ahead. You know, we you guys have probably already seen it with, you know, some of the things that we're doing with Cole Jackson and two guys watching football, Denard Melton, the Fire Zone show, um, just collaborations all over the place, looking to do more, looking to 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 uh, just take this thing, man, to another level. So we appreciate all your support. Um, keep keep rocking with us. And, you know, we're going to keep doing our thing and trying to trying to bring you guys good quality content, Ravens discussion, football discussion, life game, maybe most importantly. Uh, so until next time, y'all be good and we'll get at you. Just like-